Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Every day in America, 60 million packages are delivered, but we don't always know what's inside. He bent down to pick the package up. That's when the device detonated. Danger is everywhere, and no one is safe in Austin, Texas, as law enforcement hunts a serial bomber for 19 days. From Sony Music Entertainment, Campside Media, and Pegalo Pictures, this is Witnessed. 19 days. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to binge all episodes or listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone, don't worry, the next episode is coming along as per the schedule, so this is just a little bonus. I hope that you enjoyed the Donnellys. I've been getting a lot of good feedback about Nate Handley's research, and quite a few descendants of the family have also messaged me. It's been super interesting. I've also been hearing about some of the crazy stories that have morphed about this case throughout the years, well, the decades. In any event, I first covered this case last summer as part of a live show I did in Toronto with some friends. We invited Nate Henley up to talk about some other things related to the case, and then we were joined by criminologist Lee Meller, who joined us to talk about the case from his unique and educated perspective. Also, in this audio, you'll hear me, Jordan from Nighttime, and Aaron from The Generation Y. So enjoy this little bonus audio, and I'll see you soon with the next episode. It is one of the craziest and most complicated cases I've ever covered, and it will be a three-parter. See you soon. So he know, you know this case inside out, Nate. The fir- first question I want to ask you is, I've always, like, every time I've ever heard of this story, I've heard it referred to as the Black Donnellys, but it looks as though in present day there's a move to refer to it simply as the Donnellys. What's the reason for the name change? Um, Well, the name change, like, there's been sort of this historic thing. Part of it is just simply, like, the Donnellys is sort of, you know, more descriptive, just simply this is the family, this is the Donnellys. The actual term, um, like, there's an article here from London Free Press, 1880, and it talks about origin of the term Blackfeet, And it has a quote from here. A gentleman explained to me that the term Blackfeet is more applicable to the Donnellys themselves than to the Vigilance Committee, as one would suppose upon reading articles, blah, blah, blah. And then it talks about the Blackfeet and the Whitefeet and all this. Um, I suspect, too, and this is just speculation, um, one question that I used to get constantly where people would say, well, does that mean they were black? 
And I'd say, well, no, they were Irish. And it would just, it just sort of it got into this sort of, you know, confusing kind of thing. Um, there's also the term black Irish, which is sort of a bit of an antiquated expression, which used to refer to um, Irish people with dark hair. And there's, so it just sort of got a bit confusing that um, in, there was a time in history where it was common to refer to someone, uh, you know, oh, those the black Joneses or the black, you know, whatever, meaning sort of is a synonym for evil and bad. And, you know, there's obviously sort of a move away from that. So that's sort of, that's a rather roundabout explanation, but I think that sort of, it, just shortening it to Donnelly's, I think fits a more modern uh, viewpoint, I guess, Makes you sense. could say. And also it really became about the family, right? So it was just yeah. the Donnelly's became their right. own entity. It wasn't right. about a gang anymore. It wasn't about exactly. which side they were. It was the family. Right. It's somewhat like saying, you know, the evil Hell's Angels or something. You don't really need to, <laughs> you know, you just say Hell's Angels. You don't really need to proceed it with evil. Um, the hell part doesn't do that? <laughs> <laughs> that might be a hint. I, I just wanted to ask you both, Nate and Lee. Uh, the massacre took place in 1880, and there's been plenty of other crimes from that period that have been completely forgotten. What is it about this particular case where it's like the big Canadian case? Why has it resonated with people over the, over the years, over the decades? Uh, well, I'll speak first to that. Lee has more of the history of um, you know mass murder, serial killer things. Um, my perspective was that it lingered because it was such an out-of-place crime for the time that we tend to associate vigilantism, vigilance committees, and basically lynching, because that essentially is what happened to the Donnelly family. Some of the early newspaper coverage explicitly said they were lynched. We tend to associate that with United States, like Texas, New Mexico, Wild West, and we think of our own pioneer background. We always stress, you know, oh, the Mounties and these good, hardy pioneers who worked hard and kept their noses clean. So it seems so out of place for southern Ontario. I think that is one reason it's resonated today. And I'll pass the conch to Lee. Yeah, and I think that that's a bit of a misconception when you think of Canada. Very much so. Historically. I mean, this was a has a brutal history of this country as well. And what I'd like to comment on, which I find particularly interesting about this case, is we have, there's now sort of three types of cultures, but I'll, I'll just refer to two. There's honor culture, and that's still prevalent in most of the world, this idea of honor culture. And then we have what is more of a 20th century, beginning in the 19th century, uh, concept of, of dignity culture. Now, with, in the places where the Donnellys came from, like in Ireland and the countryside, in, in Scotland and in many other places, and particularly in the Wild West, like you're mentioning New Mexico, Texas, there wasn't really strong law enforcement and, and government uh, control over these places. So, you people had to have a reputation. They, like your, your honor meant something. Your reputation 
literally could ruin you or make you in a society. So people would take things like uh, a little slight. I'll give you an example, actually. This, this goes back to uh, New York. Uh, you've probably heard of Alexander Hamilton and his famous duel that he was killed in. Right? This is 18th century. People would duel over things like being called a rascal, right? They, we're going to fight to the death because you called me a rascal, which just sounds absurd now because we live more in a dignity culture now where it's like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But that was not the old way. And the, the idea that someone would refer to you as a, a rascal, it's like saying you cannot be trusted. You know, you are not a, a man of your word. You're, you're dishonorable. And this would have real social repercussions for you. And so in places, this was, honor culture was pretty much the, the norm culture across the world. And it started to change around this time in the 19th century. But it was still very prevalent on the frontier, whether it was the United States or in Canada. And so you have people coming from Ireland, Scotland, places where there's where there's already a kind of clannish honor culture and they're bringing it to a place where there is weak local law enforcement and this is why this violence is is kind of erupting there is is because it it does matter your reputation and what i found really interesting is this idea that the the donnellys had this reputation for being worse than they they were and, you know, we would think, well, that's a bad thing. But they probably, in some ways, really relished in that. Oh, and the reason is, is because it keeps people from screwing with you, right? We all know that you can even see little bits of it, remnants of it in day-to-day -day Canadian life. Maybe not so much in Toronto, but now go out to, like, where I grew up. You know, you've got that guy with the mullet who wants to... You know, he gets really pissed off at you because you bumped into him in a, in a bar or something like that, right? And you're just like, it, it's okay, just calm down. That's, that's still that remnant of, of honor culture there. So I think that it was to, you know, very much to the benefit of them to have that reputation. And the funny thing is, when they start to turn to the dignity culture, which is, you know what, we're going to let the law handle this, that's when they start to slip that's when they start to seem vulnerable because it's not just the black Donnellys in that community right. that have the honor culture values. It's everyone else in the community too. And then you go into the, were you taking us to court? I think I smell weakness and what happens soon after. So I think that in one way, that's a, that's a way of interpreting what's happening there and, and why it happened. But this transference during the 19th century in Canada from an honor culture to a digni dignity culture, which we arguably live in now. I won't get any deeper than that. But I, th I think that that could be a reason why it lingers in, in the popular imagination is it actually marks a tangible cultural shift in Canadian society. Sure. Yeah, Canada. And just to very quickly echo what Lee said, it, a reminder too that yeah, Canadian pioneer life was a lot more violent than it's typically portrayed in, um, you know, TV shows or, you know, school books and stuff. Uh, obviously, stuff like the Donnelly Massacre was pretty unusual, but there was, like, plenty of fist fighting and drunken brawls and, 
people shooting at each other. Even after, by the way, even after the Donnellys were murdered in 1880, there were still cases in that area of some pretty crazy stuff, uh, and not all involving the Donnellys. So, it's, One thing I'm curious about is I have never heard really about modern-day ancestors and you know the locations of these stories take, have taken place. In, in your research, Nate, have you come across kind of a modern-day descendants of the Donnellys? Well, interesting enough that you mentioned that, um, I was when I was looking into that, there was an article just this summer, Barry Today magazine, or Barry Today Online, that the Donnelly, there's a Donnelly Museum now. So just to quickly backtrack, the town of Lucan for decades kind of kept a very tight lid on this story. They were not too eager to talk about it. So for years and years and years, it was kind of almost forgotten. Um, there weren't really any full, full books on the story written until the 50s. Um, so it was only very recently that the town of Lucan has kind of sort of realized, well, you know, maybe we can make a little money from this. <laughs> you know, people do visit the Tower of London and some terrible things took place there. Um, so there's now a Donnelly Museum. And this article from June 21st uh, of this year said the Donnelly Museum has brought together descendants of the original Donnelly family, that they use this sort of as an excuse to get together. Uh, the great-grandchildren of the famous Black Donnellys, there they use the old name, uh, including uh, Mark Newman, great-great-grandson of Patrick Donnelly, and there's a few others who are named here that I won't go into. Oh, Jim Cameron, uh, who was a great-grandson of Will Donnelly. And they all got together at this museum just to sort of hang out. Um, and many of them didn't know each other because I think when something this horrendous happens to your family, there's maybe a temptation not to have family reunions after that. It's, <laughs> I mean, well, seriously, I mean, not to you know, be facetious, but obviously you could see how this could destroy a family long after you know the bodies were buried in the ground. So yes, there are still descendants around. I cannot name them all off the top of my head, but this was a very interesting piece, just saying how um, this museum has brought back these descendants who all sort of decided to get together and for the first time sort of, wow, okay, let's all meet and talk with each other. So it's interesting how the resurgence of interest in the Donnelly murders has somehow sparked a renewal of the family members getting together. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 